0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brendan with Evoke Bike. We've got an awesome interview with Tyler Williams of Legion of Los Angeles, where he talks about his days racing in Europe and the success and failure that he had there. He goes into talking about stress, race results, overtraining, why he linked up with Legion, what Legion is trying to do. There's a lot of lessons in here that we can all apply, though, to our own training and racing so that we can all try and get a little bit faster, find that 1% extra optimization. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate all the L's that you dropped on us and look forward to racing someday soon. Guys, enjoy the interview. Yeah. man, I really appreciate you sitting down and chatting for a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know what Patrick had mentioned to you just besides our brief email of, we kind of started this series of reaching out to experienced cyclists. Um, You know, as we started our coaching business a couple of years ago, it really started on like a phone call of us talking about some random training topic. And I'm like, dude, we should record this. Like I, I, we're talking about it. I feel like this is interesting. Maybe other people want to hear this. Yeah. And somebody like you that has so much race experience, you've forgotten more than most people have experienced yet or will ever. And so Mm -hmm just the little tangents and things that you're doing uh, is so valuable to so many people out there, especially the, you know, cat threes, fours, and fives that are trying to cut their chops upgrade and find their way through just the American racing scene. And then you have layered on top of that, all this international racing experience. Um, So really, I mean, this is just a conversation to sort of pick your brain a little bit, but really more understand your process as an athlete and a cyclist and whatever you can share and, uh, Stephen Bassett kind of coined it in his like he's like can I go on a, out on a tangent and like yeah like if something it pops in your brain that you think would be valuable for other people to hear please go off topic yes. as you might find important but um you know we kind of and we'll kind of just maybe give some context of who you are as a person cyclist run through uh couple like process questions of how you approach things and then if there's anything you want to add and we'll kind of wrap it up from there if that sounds like a good uh trajectory sounds good to me cool man all right well the easiest question i always say is uh introduce yourself who is tyler williams
1: oh, i said, like so much background noise coming
0: um <laughs> yeah so I'm tyler williams i've uh,
1: been racing bikes for 12 years now um yeah i've done like it feels is weird because I think about it's like twelve years ago. It, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, and yet it does feel like I've been doing this forever. Um, and you're how old? I'm twenty six. Okay. Yeah, twenty six.
0: Cool.
1: Uh, yeah, twenty six. I'm a new dad, um, so I'm adjusting to trying to still be an athlete while being a dad. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I've raced in Europe. I raced in Europe for eight plus years, I think. And then uh, now I'm with Legion of Los Angeles and kind of been like a rider slash leadership within the team role. So again, adjusting to like a new phase of my career, but it's awesome. I'm, I'm enjoying it and it keeps me motivated.
0: That's awesome. That's a great intro. What's uh so actually as I was looking through some old results, Tyler's first team was actually Team Booty if you look that up on Road Results. I don't know if you just put that in as a joke, but if you look it up. Really? Your yeah. first your first Cat 5 is Team Booty. And I was like, interesting. <laughs> this yeah. little, little junior coming in with a funny yeah. race name. That's
1: funny, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that.
0: So, and then, uh, just so so people kind of know where you were coming from, 2013 to 2015, BMC Devo, then moved yeah. to Action Hoggins Berman for 2016, 2017 and 18 was Israel Cycling Academy, and then, was it the end of 2019 you linked up with Legion? Yeah. Then, cool. So, I, after Cycling Academy, I didn't have a ride, um, so I actually
1: went to EMT school and started working on an ambulance and was going to become a firefighter. And then, and, but I was like, I was still training quite a bit, like definitely back to down a hair and was a little less serious about it, but I was still, I, I enjoyed riding so much and racing still. So and I hadn't done any like local Northern California racing and since I was a junior. So I was yeah. like, kind of like enjoying like riding on that scene again. Um, and then in July I did Boise twilight it was my first race, but, uh, TV, Uh, with legion i did redlands with team california uh and then i then i did boise twilight with legion and that's when that whole thing kicked off in july and i did a few i only did two guest rides that year i did uh boise and san rafael Mm -hmm. and then um just finished off the the local season riding for legion and then 2020 was my first full full full-time year
0: cool So take us through, I mean, being 26, you've been racing since you're 14 then. How did you get into this? Like, and when did you go over to Europe for the first time? Were you living over there full time? Do you have family there? Was it only racing? What was kind of going on with that? Yeah, so
1: I got into cycling. My first memory of cycling was watching Lance's last tour, so 2005. Um, And then I kind of, like, started just, like, riding, like, my – starter level mountain bike around a bunch and uh like i would like watch a tour stage and then go ride and i mean I, I felt like i was doing like mountains at the time and in reality it was like two minute hills but i was like oh, doing mountain stage i'm crushing this yeah yeah. no like so like if i would like if it was a mountain stage in the tour i would go and try and do, like the hilliest loop i could do uh and i did that for some years until i finally got a road bike in 2009 At the time, I was racing racing cars, so I was racing go karts and stuff like that, and that was like my career path until that until I got a bike, and then that was the end of it. Um, I uh, so I got a bike in two thousand nine, and then started kind of. I think I just got my cap for that first year Um, because I was still kind of racing cars and doing both, and then I had to make a decision basically because you just can't do two things well. Um, So so then I decided to focus on cycling and then I joined team swift in 2011 which was my 17 year old racing age year okay. and then that was the year that kind of everything took off so then I was a I think I was already a three when I joined um, but then I started off the season pretty hot I won a few of the bigger junior races in northern California and then I won the road race at Valley of the Sun, which was kind of like a selection for the national team. Okay. Um, so once I won that, uh, then I got the, the email to go do the spring block, the first spring block of racing with uh, the national team when they were based in Belgium. Um, and yeah, went over and just got absolutely just destroyed. I got, I don't even know... Looking back, I know why they brought me back because I'm just like stubbornly determined, but and like willing to do whatever I need to do to, to be better. But man, I sucked. I got crushed.
0: Um mind that's you that's a all- common thread though, right? Like yeah, that in, uh,
1: yeah, mind you, we all did. It was not I think like it's funny, I think like kids now when they go over, it seems like they're they're adapting quicker to the racing style. And so I'm just gonna go ahead and say my generation took t- takes credit for, for you know breaking down those barriers because man we used to go over there and just it was like you weren't even expected to get a result until your second or third trip mm-hmm. um and yeah so i went over for like two and a half weeks got smacked uh came home
0: and then and what was the calibration for that like when you left were you like i'm good here in the state like i'm gonna go rip this or were you expecting like i've heard this is hard yeah maybe I think you can't I, maybe you don't adorable. have that memory or I don't know. I think
1: I didn't really know what to expect. Cause I was still so inexperienced and like, mind you, like none of my family comes from any sort of sporting background or cycling or anything like that. So I was going over there. I knew it was going to be hard. I yeah. knew this is like the best guys in
0: the world. Mind you,
1: we were doing like Kermess trips. Like it wasn't like anything super crazy.
0: Um, for an 18 year old, 17 year old, that's still pretty crazy. It was crazy. Like, yeah, it was, it was a huge
1: adjustment. Um, yeah. I did not know what I was getting into. And then
0: that's so cool.
1: I went back. So then I did Tour de bit of with the national team. And then I did another trip that year in the fall. And it was kind of that second trip where I started to kind of get my, get my feet under me and like, was able to like properly race the races.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and I think, I think that that was when I kind of started to figure out, like, just, I feel like there was a big jump that summer. Um, so then I went back again in 2012 and I had mono that like whole winter almost. Oh. And then I, so I missed actually my first spring walk of racing, which would have was like kind of, that was a, that was a tough, tough thing to navigate because like, it's, it's silly, but like I'm sitting there, I'm 17 going in like, you know, I'm like junior, junior in high school. And I'm like, I was going to oh, ask you, who you doing?
0: school traveling while you're away. Yeah, I did that
1: first year, and then I started doing like a like a hybrid school that the second my second year of juniors because okay. it was just it was not gonna it wasn't gonna work. Yeah. Sorry,
0: um, I didn't mean to derail you there on the model. No, no, good. Yeah, no, it's important. I mean, like I had to. I, I had so to, like, much going on at that age. At, just... at, I was I mean because like my
1: birthday's in November, so really like my 17 year old year I was 16, and my 18 year old year I was 17. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like I had mono then i didn't get to start really racing it took me i had mono like it wasn't like the worst but it was pretty serious like i was pretty down for a while um got back going though and like around april and was racing my first race was, like sea otter and i was like okay and then i went straight back to europe and luckily i went there with like some good form and we i did well like i i won the green jersey in de pays Vode, which is like fairly big junior race in switzerland um had some like just like solid I was like really consistent and solid um and that kind of it's funny because when I had mono I was like my career's over like I'm not I'm losing everything I'm not going to get a U- good <laughs> 23 team I remember it was the end of the world and and then you know I was able to just like hit the ground running in, in like May and then I still had like a couple of teams I had um live strong it was at the time it was live strong still and uh-huh. uh, and then BMC was starting their, their uh, U23 team. And I had, like, some BMC connections through Team Swift and in Santa Rosa because that's where they were based. So I already – I had, like, my connections there. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was like, the last time of my career that I actually had choices as far as teams went. Um, <laughs> I had, like, multiple teams offering me a contract, which was – yeah, it was crazy but
0: that, hey man it's it's cool to at least be in that position at least once even if it was oh yeah go, no man. trust me
1: i didn't i took it for granted at the time
0: well because even to give context for people that there are adults that are going to watch this that have never been to europe and i remember my sister went abroad a couple times and so when i was a freshman in high school not racing i didn't ride bicycles then went over to visit her and i got off the plane in paris and i was like whoa this is mm-hmm. different and yeah. so the your age going to race doing dealing with all this other stuff like that it's yeah it's awesome it so, was yeah it was always
1: like i don't think it and that part never got really easier either because it was always like it, i never really had like a routine it was almost changing every year because like the whole environment would change you within a team or maybe the bmc years were kind of the most consistent because we kind of do the camps in the same places but yeah it was always like pretty wild mm-hmm.
0: That's interesting because Stephen Bassett made the whole comment of his biggest thing when he's abroad is trying to build his dojo, build his support system. So exactly what you're saying, like you didn't have everything was changing so often you didn't get to just get like dig in and be like, okay, this is my setup. This is my camp. This is my same crew. Da, 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 da. That's interesting yeah. to hear that come up again. So you end up with BMC and uh, I, I know you had, what, what do you, you had a huge result over there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so again,
1: first year of BMC, I got basically smacked. Um we I guess like the jump from juniors to U twenty threes is huge and I was definitely not like an early for sure not an early bloomer as far as like, you know, results or like power and everything came. Like mm-hmm. I was on the I was like a littler guy for a while.
0: Is that jump similar to when someone goes from like Cat 3 to Cat 1, 2? Yeah. And it's just like things are yeah. faster. Things are happening? Exactly. The races it.
1: are longer. Um, my first U23 race was 200K in the snow oh, in Belgium. Yeah. That was my first race. And, and then I broke my collarbone twice that year, actually. I broke it in June at Dairyland. I came back to do Tour of America's Dairyland before nationals. Broke my collarbone there. And then I broke my collarbone again at Tour de Um And, yeah, so that whole, like, 2013 was a bit of a wash. It was a lot of learning. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, it was, like, it was successful. I think, like, for a first year U23 to make the Tour de year team was kind of, like, the goal for me. That's, you know, U23 Tour de France. It's a big, mm-hmm. big event. Prestigious. Yeah. And it was cool. It was cool to do. Uh, it was just unfortunate. I was doing it two, like, that race started two months after my collarbone broke. Wow. Um, cause it was like two months to the day that I rebroke it. Mm. Uh, so it was like, I was like kind of pushing the limit there a bit with just the recovery and doing it too fast. Then so yeah, 2014, I just had a really good winter and that kind of like, I think I, I just like, again, like, because there was some consistency, I think that that was main, One of the main things was, um, I got to just build on what I had done in 2013 Cause, yeah, I had a big result. I was second in Roubaix.
0: Um, second in Roubaix, everybody. I hope will yeah. hear that. That's crazy. Dude. Congratulations! <laughs> so later, congratulations. Roubaix. That's amazing. Yeah. No, it was. And let me just say for sure the coolest thing I ever did in my life. Like, it okay. Was awesome. So, is that um, the result you're most proud of?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that well, was, it was. Look at the
0: smile. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that. There was a
1: that whole. I don't know. It was like an out of body experience that that whole day. There was like a different Tyler that was racing, but because I was like, I attacked like 60k to go out of the breakaway to like, and then that was what like the final move came down to wow. was me and, and Mike Tenison and one of my teammates. Then Mike Tenison who won the yellow jersey in the Tour de France last year, like, so he, he on uh, he was a cyclocross world champion at the time, okay. and on car four to Larbra he just he just put the hammer down and was riding in the. And the gutter and just went through i was like hanging like by a thread and then we made a turn and he just sent the turn like way fast and opened up like three bike lanes, and that was it i couldn't close it
0: wow um, yeah you, if you look through that result sheet it is like hit squad of here yeah. it is i was always real good at
1: riding cobbles um that was something that came natural to me so I, and like that race i'd never done rubay before we didn't do junior rebay when i was a junior um, so I didn't really know what I was getting into, which was probably a good thing. Cause it was just like, kind of like ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and I just went and was in the sure. breakaway and the breakaway is the best place to be at Ruby Bay, like hands down. Um, and yeah, I just, I just rode hard as long as I could for four hours and four and a half That's hours. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, but so, I was also good. Like the rest of that year, like well, before you get into that, when you said you had a good winter, what do you classify as a good winter? What do you think we did, were some checkboxes that, like, you were like, okay, I've nailed those, crossed those T's?
1: Yeah. It was – It was. we had, like – a I did a grand tour of training camps, like, in that winter. Like, we had um, a BMC camp that was, like, all the North American World Tour pros plus okay. all the North American de- development guys. We did that. It was, like, 10 days. And then I went from there, had like a week off and then went to the national team training camp, which was in uh, Chula Vista at the uh, OTC there. And that was another like 10 days. And then I won a race that was like kind of like the opening uh, SoCal race okay. um, that like isn't suited to me. It was like really hilly, and, but I was just riding well. And I was like pretty like lean and just, I was just in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then went from there to the European BMC training camp and then I think that that, like, set, like, just a big foundation for me, and I started the season okay, but I'm trying to remember, I think we did tour to Normandy, and that race is, it's, like, a week-long race in France that is just frozen. It Mm was so cold, and I was, like, broken at the end of that race, like, (laughs) I had, like, tendonitis in every itis possible after that race, like, I was ruined, but I think and then I like tried to do like another racer after that. And that was like kind of end of my spring block was just, I was broken, but it just, I beat myself down so much that when I came back for Roubaix, I was like, just a more robust and like strong mm-hmm. athlete. They've and, talked about like
0: biological durability on some, like is the term they threw on on Velo news before. And I think that yeah. like, are you a big volume guy? No, okay. I'm not.
1: I'm not. But I think that was, it was just like, the amount that was like a big block for me though because every day of that race was like around like 180 200k and really hard and Mm -hmm. i think that that just even though i like it tanked my whole winter um because i mean i was never i was like kind of more on and off sick from that race onward Hmm. but then i went home and like kind of was able to regroup and then i just came out like really strong the whole rest of that year like i was just rock solid um so yeah, I was just like in hindsight, I can look back and all of these things and like, oh, that was like a that was like a turning point for me. But at the time I was super stressed out because I was still bad all spring and all the races I actually cared about. And then like I I, I was like, I should have just taken that as like a uh, all right, like I'd put in this big load and now I'm just gonna benefit from the rest of the year. But I was never like calm enough to ever do that
0: it's hard to see the forest sometimes when you're in yeah it was banging it out
1: yeah and you're just like you're just like feel like you're drowning over there the whole time too so it's never like good enough even that like after rubay like that was huge for me and then i'm trying to remember i think i want to say i was like pretty good at nationals also that year and yeah it was good i was like fourth in the tt and and stuff like that and uh i was like i was just like real solid but yeah, anyway, it was, it was a good year for me, but then the next year, it kind of all fell apart again in 2015 because I had a really bad injury in April, and that kind of derailed my whole season, and then again with the environment, like the management of the team changed, um, and that was just not, basically the team that I had re-signed for, for 2015 was no longer the same people I was going to be racing under, and okay. the directors were different, so then the environment was changed, atmosphere changed. I had a bad injury. I was kind of on the back foot. Um, and I was, I just kind of struggled that whole year, to be honest. It was like probably the hardest year of my career I would say was that year. Cause I remember that was the year we had worlds in Richmond and, um, yeah, it was like, I broke myself just to make that team. Like I was pushing so hard on like with nothing in the tank. And I remember like I, I did the race and like, I helped the team as much as I could. And then I finished the race, and, like, second coolest experience of my life was doing world championships in, in Europe mm-hmm. – or in, in Richmond. Um, but then, like, that was the end. I, w- I was, like, broken after that. I, I like – I was the most burnt out on soccer I was ever in my
0: life. So do you think it was too much, or do you think taking it to that limit was necessary to perform at that level? That was too much. That was right. where I went,
1: o- I went over.
0: Um, and I think – I think
1: I heaped so – i heap so much pressure onto myself um especially especially back then that yeah it was just i was just like i was going i was pushing way too hard and and caring too much and trying to control too much and mm-hmm. so that was when i changed to action was i needed a different atmosphere and
0: that would do you see these external stresses of like the change of the environment, like just a lot of other things going on besides the racing and trying to be an athlete have probably such an effect on the athlete's performance. Um, sometimes things you can't control. And then if you're, as you're saying, you're trying to control them, like, w- would you agree? Like uh, when things in life are chaotic, you're probably not going to race as well as when you can confine this, like things are good. Like I feel yeah. good. Like it kind of goes into the mental aspect, but it's also just like, you hear people talk about like stress is bad, stress is bad. But I think as we're trying to be, well, I'm more adult athlete, it's like, oh yeah, if there's things going on for work or family stress like people will message me and they're like I had a horrible day, da da da. I'm like, well, that's probably why you performed horribly. It's just there's too much. Yeah. So to
1: that point, <clears throat> I can I can tell you that when I went from so, I mean, rest of my story is like yeah, I went to Action, went to Cycling Academy, did 2 years there, did not get resigned. And then there was a pretty bad rider market and I had no job in 2019. Mm -hmm. And then, but I still trained that whole year um, and I found that I was stronger. I had gotten significantly stronger from from 2018 to 2019 and 2019 to 2020. And one of the things that I think made a huge difference there was the amount of stress that was no longer in my life from trying to race in Europe at that level um and always be worried about having a job and am I performing well enough and you know you're just right on that razor's edge. I was I was always fighting being sick. I was sick six times a year probably. Wow. I've been sick once in the last two years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was I think it's okay. Maybe it's a little bit less traveling for sure. But I stopped fighting, trying to make my body smaller than it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Trying to you know not eat or or going trying to do as many races as I possibly could because I thought that was going to make the team happy or all these dumb things that I like cared about and put so much energy into that were just in the end and all the background like stress and noise I was always going on too like once they, that went out of my life my performance as an athlete has just continued to go up and I'm a little older um and I think that that's helped as well but that has been really interesting, I think, to like think about and and look into is just like how much I improved from twenty four to twenty-six, especially once all that stress went away. I mean, it's like ten percent improvement on numbers, like across the board from my th- like from a threshold in aerobic power to a sprint in anaerobic power, like wow, ten percent. Like it was yeah. huge. For like maybe going up like two kilograms. Like I didn't go up much in weight, but I just let my body be at like a happier place. So I was like always fighting to be like 73 kilos. 70, I got down to 72 for a little bit. And it was like working for me. I could do it for a bit, but I couldn't maintain that. Mm -hmm. And now I probably run around 75, 75 and a half, 76. And that is just my body's so much happier and healthier and, and, and consistent.
0: What do you see as some signs that helped you find that? Because this is a huge topic that so many athletes struggle with. And I'm more in the camp. I mean, I'm a big dude. So for me, I'm in a different standpoint of like, I'm like, okay, do I race at 187 or 182? And I was like, when I first started racing, I was like, I got to be as lean as possible, as small as possible. Like, I want to be able to get over these climbs with people. I was 177 and it just was I consistency I, w- I would have some good days but my bad days were bad and I was like hmm I put on a couple extra pounds and I'm still pretty consistent and I have more of that overdrive that seems more important to me yeah. what are some things that helped you get in tune with this when you're like this is where I'm supposed to be
1: it was kind of random that I found it um,
0: because I just
1: like one thing when I stopped being like pro-conti and and really caring i was just like well i'm done with like this like being hungry all the time kind of thing mm. um and or just like analyzing my body to the extreme like i just was like still probably had some issues with that but definitely like took it down a few notches and just was like look i'll just be like you know whatever like it doesn't matter and i was probably like a little heavier than i needed to be that whole 2019 year because I just wasn't training and I was working and I was doing school and whatever. Um, but I found my power numbers had gone up and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, okay, I have some more muscle and stuff like that. But then when I started, especially like that whole, the back half of 2019, when I was like, okay, I'm going to race for Legion in 2020. So I'm going to like be professional again and then like take it seriously. I found my numbers were just going sky like through the roof from where I was doing my best numbers consistently like almost whenever I wanted mm-hmm. and <clears throat> unfortunately in 2020 like I just like we didn't get a race so I never got to show it but mm-hmm. all I spent basically all of last year I hit the start of the year like okay but probably still more in like my best 2018 shape okay but then I spent time like refining that like process for myself like we talked about processes like that refining that process of okay like where do where does my body need to be and like how much training load does it really need to be able to perform and what kind of training does it need because like one thing that cracked me was I didn't I I love riding hard but I was kind of like done doing like super specific intervals all the time like I'll do it like now and again but I find that like I ride hard enough that I don't need to sit there and just hit lap with my car Mm-hmm. and i don't need to do these 30 hour weeks all the time It's um, a lot yeah it is a lot for like a no- especially for a normal person that's a ton and i wasn't ever like i should i say 30 hour weeks i never did that i did like 26 hour weeks or 28
0: hours a lot of riding
1: yeah like and i did like a lot of a lot of that
0: um so are you doing then, like
1: 15 now no i still do like 20 i like okay.
0: 20 Okay, I love that you're like, I'm not high volume, but I ride 20 hours a week.
1: I find, I found, so last year, um, I found that like my body likes between 19 and 23 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, To be fair, last year I rode the most hours and kilometers of my entire life in one year last year. So because it was, but I was just so consistent because I was healthy, I was never sick.
0: um, And I could, so good to hear. Because I
1: was like at that 76 kilo range. And I knew like if I really needed to raise, like I would drop a low and be a little bit faster uphill and not harm anything, but, it, but I was just so much more consistent and just like healthy at that, just a little bit heavier weight, but <clears throat> I wasn't going slower uphill. So say like, for instance, in 2018, my threshold was probably like 380 or something. But then like last year I was whacking out like a 20 minute test at like 440, or 4:30, and and then I, but I could do it the next day, and then I could do it the next day. It didn't matter. It wasn't like this big peak. I could just do that like consistently. And my five minute power was where I think I saw the most improvement because I went from being able to do like 510 to 560. And oh. we were like having like a big Strava battle around here with all the five minute climbs, and I could just do that power on every climb, whenever I just like could mentally get myself up for it, kind of thing. Because it still yeah. hurts, but. Um, I just found that it was just like so much more consistent and I could recover and I could do it the next day. And, um, that was like, yeah, that's been, that's been huge for me. And I would love to race again because like, I think I've learned a lot in the last two years of that, that I haven't necessarily gotten to show on, on, on an outside race yet, um,
0: So my last question, and then we'll move on from body weight, but let's boil this down for the cat fours and fives who are just starting. I've always tried, uh, let's try and give one tip for someone who's super new to this. I've always been, you know, I'll get an email from somebody, Hey, my weight, you know, I, I carb up for this ride and then I like weigh more and I'm like, okay, so that's water weight. So my one basic tip for people, I'm like, don't always follow the, the weight on the scale, follow, get a body fat scale and follow your body fat percentage try to bring that down but don't hyper focus every morning on your pounds especially if you're a bigger rider to begin with you're going to drive yourself nuts Mm -hmm. and just trying to help people like not ride this insanity wave what would you maybe say as a basic like nutrition or body composition tip that you've learned that maybe you could pass on that's something easy for a newer listener to follow with i mean i i i go off
1: I forget. I saw I read it in some book of some I don't, it was like Michael Berry or somebody, one of the okay. old guys, but he would just go off the the mirror.
0: It's a great and, one.
1: And I think the mirror is great. Like you yes. know where because at the end of the day, like if I look at that number on the scale, and unfortunately Zwift has ruined this little bliss for me. Yeah. Uh because now I have to get on it again, which I hate. <laughs> um, but look, if I look in the mirror and I look lean and I feel good. Then all I care about is how many watts I'm producing.
0: There because at the
1: end of the day, like watts the more watts you can do, the better. Unless you're climbing the Alps, dude. Having more watts in, in your in your back pocket is always, always, always gonna be better. Whether it's in the first hour or in the last hour, whoever's doing the most watts is probably gonna be winning or yeah. up. Them.
0: People think I'm gonna be I'm like paying people to say certain lines because I try to preach this to people. And I've got a guy right now who's like, i need to work on watts per kg he does zwift so it's important but i'm like dude you need power you need watts that's even on
1: zwift though if you we can get into zwift but the (laughs) watts per kg matter only going uphill but man the rest of the time you just want to have again you just want to have a lot of watts
0: yeah when did you
1: uh like a year ago
0: okay what got you into that just, uh, racing?
1: we had some really wet winters and I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to get switched finally. So I bought a trainer and then, yeah, who would have thought I'd just be like an esports pro these days, but that's what that evolved into really quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was just like, I, I mean, it was already like kind of like a pretty popular thing. And I just was like, Oh, I'm going to give this a try. And, and I loved it like from the get-go because the quality of like the workout that you get from doing a race like any random race on there will give you like a full-on like Mm -hmm. outside race simulation like power wise it's awesome
0: um races are hard as hell
1: every race no matter what like random one you pick on any day you can make it really hard
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which i loved i love that
0: so do you use has now that you're you're on team usa um and you're racing there do you use the races as one training session or are you training anything specifically for the Zwift races or how, and has anything changed in training now that you might be seeing real racing coming along so kind of a lot of questions at once yeah. but basically how does Zwift fit into your training and racing in. yeah so originally
1: so last year it it became something to like f- like fulfill the competitive sure keep like that competitive part of my brain going
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because i was getting like especially in the bigger swift races and stuff like that like we did that like virtual joe martin and virtual redlands and i got was getting smoked and then i was like well i'm better than this like and then you have to like figure out how the game works and figure out mm-hmm. like because it's so much of learning that but also you do have to. i did have to adjust my engine a bit and and i really do credit it for building my my threshold power up because i think that it's just forced me to just have be able to just do like 40 minutes at like a high threshold power and then do an effort off of that. Again, I really want to do outside racing because I think that all of those skills that Zwift has brought me, while it doesn't help you go around the corner, I think that that's never been my issue. My issue, it addressed a lot of my weaknesses and I had to like overcome them um, in order to be good at Zwift because I was like, competitive and i was like well i'm gonna figure this out so and i was semi able to do that i mean i'm still learning heaps every time i do this race like when we did the the worlds and i was on the calls with like the guys who've been in zwift for like since the beginning almost i was like well you guys know so much about this i'm just like
0: <laughs> sitting here
1: i'm a trainer and you guys have like algorithms for how it works it's uh,
0: crazy yeah. it's really
1: it's, it's i mean it's a whole it's a whole different world and it's a whole new discipline of cycling but um yeah i mean i it it fits in i mean now yeah it's it's what we're doing as a racing legion is one of the main partner is zwift so mm. it's important to our team to be good at zwift as well um and, yeah, I mean, it will continue to be a part of what I do to prepare for outside racing because there is nothing as hard as – there is no outside race that is as hard as a Zwift race.
0: Wow. That's a huge yeah, statement. No, it is one 100% true. Like, the
1: numbers I do on Zwift will – if I could do that at the, even, like, midway through a race in an outside race, it's going to – you will make any front group
0: it makes me so i've been on zwift i've never i've lived in like i'm in small places and i have uh you know a bunch of excuses as to why i never had a good zwift setup so i was doing it on like a computer under a porticochet in the winter in memphis outside and i was getting dropped i don't think i've finished one zwift race and one of the guys on the evoke team was like dude you're using the power up at the wrong time i'm like wait what, what am i supposed to see <laughs> He's like, yeah and so then it was like spring came and off i went and i sent my trainer to somebody else who would use it and it definitely has me curious because Patrick Wally is like putting up some amazing numbers that he's never hit before and it's Zwift and there's plenty of riders that are having this. I think it's great that it's, I mean, I remember being in the basement one winter, it was probably like my sixth winter of cycling and I was just so burnt of like, okay, I was in upstate New York. So it was, maybe four or five months of snow, you might see the outside every other weekend. And I was just like, all right, you know, I'm just going to do like four by 10 threshold. Cause I just don't care. I was so toast from like trying yeah. to train. And I was only cat one. I was my career. And it was like, this, yeah, is, this is losing the fun aspect of it um so what do you think what's your like number one goal if you feel like sharing it as a cyclist these days with Zwift you're now with Legion where and you had kind of mentioned you're on this team as more of like a role of experienced cyclist probably trying to help mentor some other people maybe newer ones that are now on a pro team with Legion going pro what's kind of your what are you trying to do well trying to race outside at some point
1: that is me i miss that a lot um i do have so i i have a lot of experience but very little of it is on the american scene um so i really believe in in justin's vision as far as helping build up american cycling because when i was first getting into the sport was when there was like a really healthy continental scene still there was tour of georgia and california was in february and way better and there's utah was there and there was a lot of like just a really tour of missouri so Mm -hmm. much cool stuff and like guys were making good livings racing in the u.s and i would love to be a part of bringing that back to what into america i think that that we should have a good healthy cycling sport now it doesn't necessarily need to i think like the main problem is we try to make it europe and it's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to find our own way of doing the sport and make it healthy and sustainable in the U S. Uh, so I care about really trying to help Legion be the, like the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like personal ambition is, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to race and I want to try to win and help the team win. Um, that's why I, I do it cause I'm competitive and I enjoy it. And i have personal challenges and i don't necessarily have like one race that i like care about like targeting this one yeah. because i mean at, at the end of the day like i want to try to help the team win or win every race i'm going to um and and i'm just looking forward to seeing implementing these like new things that i've learned in the last two years when i'm just been sitting here experimenting and not at actual races sure um and actually gain to to use that and then yeah like i have like a kind of unique role within the team where I'm like kind of like almost management but also a rider so then it's like like yeah like I'm like one of the voices of like of like leadership so I enjoy enjoy like you know giving back my experience for sure absolutely I still work with the junior team that I was on um when I was junior I work with them here whenever you know you can gather and stuff like that so I enjoy like giving back that experience because Man, like, I think that if I had had a little more of that, I think it would have made a big difference in my career as well. With just like the drowning of going up, feeling like you're going over to Europe and just struggling the whole time. Um,
0: well, know. man, it's in this in this right here the way you're giving back right now to people that I think it's easy to forget. I made a comment to somebody of uh, I was talking to somebody about trying something new. It's actually a buddy of mine who's not a cyclist. He's looking for. He's, you know, I'm almost 40 and he's working and he makes money. And he's like, I don't know what my identity is outside of this. And I was like, dude, let me give you, and he he goes, you found cycling. And I said, but you know what? I went to the first bike race. I was in basketball shorts. I totally did not fit in. It felt horrible. It was super awkward. And I think we all like people that have been in the sport for a long time, we forget how weird it was because we're going to a sport that it's not common in the U S it's not like you just. everybody's talking about cycling and it's like this common thing but we have athletes that fall in love with it when they're 30 35 40 and they're trying to find their entryway in but like their buddy next door doesn't ride they're trying to like find connections of people to like meet and share this passion with and so i think it's cool for you guys to want to not only grow the sport at like a professional level where riders can actually race and live but then it helps it become more common for joey who's just trying to like figure out the cycling scene
1: yeah um, our sport needs to be more more relatable less elitist like totally. um like totally I, we're all doing the same thing like i don't care how fast or slow you're going like everyone's it's like such a cliche thing to say like, everyone puts their their bibs on the same way or whatever. <laughs> i just said that it, the other day damn it. <laughs> it totally is like it's i mean yes we go faster or slower or some are better or worse but I mean, I think it's sad that our sport is, it seems like it's structured to be like, you're a professional or you shouldn't do it. Um, It's like the one sport that people can do forever. Yes. And I think it, like, I personally find it sad that like so many of the guys that I started racing with as juniors, I'm not that old.
0: None you're, of them. You're riding. not old at all, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, don't
1: tell like my team because man, they just think like, I'm a grandpa. It's like, dad, you are like, well, have, like, well how old, but like, how old's uh, Justin and Corey? Corey's a year older than me and justin's yeah. 30 yeah but they, yeah. they don't tell them that okay um, <laughs> no so like they uh i just think it's sad like so many of these guys like if you they don't make it pro and then they just they just get chewed up and spat out of the sport and like i think cycling has a hard time like they'll, like they'll get someone in and, and it, someone will find that addiction because it's so addictive like and they'll find it but then they'll burn out super quickly and then they they never buy a bike again they stop riding they don't follow the sport anymore and like we need to we need to i think get it to where it's like something that it should feel inclusive it should feel yeah i mean there's there should be tears to it absolutely like if you're one of the best in the country or whatever like that should that should mean something but it doesn't mean that it should like just absolutely discourage anyone else from ever picking up a bike again which is the cool thing Going back to Zwift, Zwift is awesome because you can at any point hop in a race with some professional and you're like, all right, I'm going to see what, what's up with this. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like y- you might beat them. You might get totally sm- smoked, like, or vice versa. Like you have guys like me who got on Zwift and just absolutely got just their butts handed to them for the first like four months. So they figured it out because like the, that challenge is what people enjoy about cycling and so I think it should just be I don't know I'm tangent but like it's just like kind of like I feel like our sport it heaps so much pressure onto someone to be like great instead of just like enjoying the challenge of it yes. and enjoying like being part of like a cool com- like a cool community and we need to make our community cooler uh, like bottom line is like it should not be just like this is like super elitist like thing that like oh you don't you don't like wear white socks white shoes like what are you doing like come on no like i love it dude yeah so anyway i mean i've done it at high level i've done it now like conti level i was a freaking amateur in 2019 i was a normal cat one guy like i mean i've done i kind of been there done that at all the levels i feel like at this point minus like the tour de France and uh yeah i don't know that's my that's my take on it
0: awesome Let's get granular on a couple of questions. I don't want to keep you here forever. This is, dude, you're dropping phenomenal knowledge. Really appreciate this. Um, what do you think's had uh, maybe a small thing that has had a big impact on training? You've kind of already dropped a bunch of these, but I figure I'll ask the question directly as well because maybe there's something else that pops out when I say that. I think I think
1: one thing, I, I'm always someone who's wanting to push like the limit. So yeah. I'll try and keep going, keep going, keep going and even to this day like last week I had to like take nine days off because or I I rode like only nine hours sorry Mm -hmm. which is not much at all for me Mm -hmm. and I was like panicked I was like oh I'm not training and then came back because I was doing some stuff with the team in LA and I came back and I was like "Man, I feel like the Zwift race I was like on Monday the Premier League I was like awesome and I was like huh maybe I needed some rest (laughs) number one is rest and especially now that i have a baby awesome. so my total life is just like my old life style of how i would do it is complete shambles mm-hmm. so like i have to remember that i'm not getting the same recovery mm-hmm. and i have to be okay with like you know what today is not the day to push mm-hmm. and i think that that's the number one thing that i still have to teach myself i'm not saying i do this but it's like yeah i mean it's the one thing that i should listen to is like you don't have to push every day You have to listen to your body and be like, no, what I'm not feeling it today. And that's, that's okay. Just like, take it easy, take it off. Like, I think that's the main thing I would say.
0: That is a great tip because a lot of people that, especially they're new and they have like a training plan, which they look at as if it's the Bible, if their body's not feeling it, that workout session has now become a failure. And then it turns them into a spiral of like negative thoughts and just Mm -hmm. not, not the road you want to go down. You brought up being a new dad. Congrats again on that. What? How do you find a balance? What new thing have you had to shift? Obviously, maybe time or just scheduling more with your partner of like who's doing what or what? what's kind of a dad tip you can throw out there for people? Yeah, my wife's a
1: nurse, so she works 3 three twelves at okay.
0: night
1: and she just went back. So it was all good, actually, honestly, until till like the last two weeks (laughs) so i can't give too much advice because i'm still trying to figure it out (laughs) (laughs) um but i mean i just have to i have to relax with it because it's just like i know that i'm training enough Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know if you don't if you don't if you don't have a good night's sleep like that's fine don't try and go out and do five hours as hard as you can the next day and then be mad at yourself that you couldn't do five hours like yeah
0: yeah,
1: no kidding like Mm -hmm. um and yeah, like just time management. I mean, like I, we just have to plan out, okay, I'm doing big days this day and this day and this day and, you know, I can't ride as much on these two days. And and uh, luckily when I, I mean, I've kind of already been slowly progressing to learning how to do things like that, like managing my time better, because as a pro, I was terrible at time management. I don't know what I did with every day. And then I went to EMT school and then was going to normal school and working and still riding. And I was like, wow, I really did nothing with my life for about six years. (laughs) Um, And then that honestly prepared me a ton for being a dad because now, well, it's another big adjustment, but I'm already so used to like doing multiple things in a day, which the average person can, it's probably way better at than me, but that's something I've had to learn in the last week you know year two it's just Mm -hmm. how to how to do multiple things at the same time
0: that's good there was a guy i knew that had was having his third kid and he's like you know what every kid before i was like oh my god i'm not gonna be able to train and he goes and somehow the hours still happen and i just figured it out and we worked out a system so i'm sure you'll find the same way uh through all that if uh, i brought up the topic of mindset no pun intended what comes to mind i need to figure out a better way of saying that um Mm -hmm. do you have a does it mean anything to you? Is it important to you? Um, maybe in terms, not so much in training, but maybe getting ready for a race. Yeah. And maybe thinking back, cause you've done this so long where it's been your job that it might have shifted into like second nature, but a lot of these people who are going to race who might race 10 times in a season race day is a big day, but okay. So there, there's the thing that you just said was it was my job
1: and I made it that, mm-hmm. in that made me terrible i i took it i cared too much and i forgot how to enjoy the fact that i actually liked racing Mm. um i started i like really didn't like racing i was like kind of stressed about racing i was like oh man i better do good here and i forgot that i was like no no, no, this is like a choice like and especially for someone who's not their job like you should absolutely be happy to be there like uh it should not be this thing that feels like a task because like what are you doing uh it should not, it should not definitely should not be a task like
0: well i um, think back of it of like when i was i you know when i was trying to upgrade whenever i was like okay i gotta get this many points at this race and there's because this is a 50 person field so if i could win i could get 10 points da-da. whenever i was doing these calculations and like you're saying stressing myself out i'd come in 10th 11th whatever i'd go to a bigger race where i had no expectations because there's faster people and you have quote unquote the race of your life so far and it's like how did that happen like because you just yeah. weren't overthinking it that was what happened to me rubay okay I, my goal at rubay was to finish
1: <laughs> yeah it's incredible, i was like oh, man i just want to get to the bell drum that was sweet because and i just like i i found that if i didn't think about it i was better yeah 'Cause I would overthink it. I would over I would overstress, oh man, I better be here at this point. Like that stuff should all just come like almost second nature instead of instead of being like, you you end up thinking about it so much, and then when it comes time to actually execute, you have spent too much energy thinking about it, or you've been mm-hmm. thinking about it too much, it's already too
0: late. Mm-hmm. Um or you've been, I've had people that will think about it the wrong way. They'll think of it negatively. They're already thinking of who's stronger and better than them. And I'm like, yeah, which I'm you, guilty of hundred percent. If you haven't 100%. convinced yourself that you at least have a shot when it gets hard, you're going to be dropped. Cause you've already yeah. told your brain, those guys are faster than you.
1: Yeah. So I think that, I mean, the, the process and the mindset needs to be like, all right, I'm here, I'm ready. Like I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do what I need to do to win, and and that's that's kind of where you can have your idea of, like, okay, well, you shouldn't in the back of your mind, like, cable. Okay, the race is going to happen in this section, and this is what I need to do, but it can't be, like, this big negative thing that's going on in your head for, like, four mm-hmm. days out, like, it's just, that's uh, that's something that I was really, really bad about doing to myself. Basically, my whole career was making it a job and being stressed out about whatever race it was, and and never enjoying the fact that I was like doing these awesome races or just like getting paid to be there. Mm-hmm. Like that was awesome, and that was something I had to I had to relearn when I came home. When That's I came back and was doing like just amateur races, and I was like, "Man, this is fun! Like I enjoy this." And then I got way better.
0: Do you think you were learning more when you came back and had less stress? Because then you're just like your whole way of approaching the sport and the activity that you were engaging in was different and more like, I'm just going to go do this. And maybe you were able to take in and process more. And like, were you growing more? You felt like at that point in time, or like. As a
1: person, I was growing a lot more as a rider. Can't say that I learned too much because I was able to rely a lot on my strength still.
0: Okay. And,
1: And the fact was like, I mean, I was coming off of being professional for how many years. So you can't like,
0: right it feels
1: like a little bit cheating like i'm most of the people i'm racing in a cat one feel i'll have like week-long jobs yeah like so it's just like it's not quite the same um but that's something that people who have week-long jobs need to understand too it's like you can't expect to to beat somebody like you cannot expect yourself you can beat somebody because i have definitely lost but you cannot expect to, to beat somebody who's like doing this for their job. Like that mm-hmm. is their job to be good at bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's hard when you, I mean, I, when I was working on the ambulance, especially, man, it was really difficult to like, then go on the weekend to perform.
0: Yeah. Guy was just texting me. Who's in EMT school, I believe. And he's doing a 12 hour shift. On, I think he called like on the truck or whatever. And then he's got school and working and how ha- I, don't know if he has kids and i was like dude like you got a lot going on do not put pressure on yourself like that's an insane plate to then be like oh i'm gonna go crush these vo2 max intervals it's like yeah that vo2 max interval
1: should be like a really if anything you should be using it as like a release of stress and i mean it's it's hard it's hard to to um yeah just like manage all of those things and especially when at like the cat one level there's still a big gap in and how much time people are able to put into it but i would say the one thing i did learn kind of going back to your question was like i had to relearn how to win a
0: race ah okay
1: because i had spent a lot of time just hanging on for dear life sure for years before that so i had definitely had to relearn how to to win and again like that that process was aided because i was just kind of strong um but again like i had to okay this is the move i need to make at this time and figure it out and unfortunately, I didn't get that much time of really getting to do that before coronavirus hit and shut it down again. So I still have a lot of learning to do in the next year or two, hopefully.
0: So do you think that was more a mental standpoint of like when to are you saying like when I'm launching this attack or when I'm strongest or was it working on race winning type moves physically? Or what do you think honed that relearning how to win? You, It's different. It's it's one thing to like race
1: race the race, and it's another thing to like race the final of the race. And I think that um, learning how to race the final, like how much that should hurt,
0: mm. because normally if
1: you're just doing your job for your team leader, you do it till it hurts real bad, and then you just pull over, mm-hmm. see so you, so see the trailer or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like it's done, uh, and I just finish the race. And <clears throat> or you know, you'd go in the breakaway. That was kind of one thing I did a lot when I was. I, uh i enjoyed going in the breakaways because i actually got to do something um so just like ride around just like hang on yeah. uh so i'd go in the breakaway but then it's just like go ride hard and then you get caught eventually and then all right like see you guys later mm-hmm. um so actually like lo- remember like okay this is how this is how it feels when it's at the end of the race and not to panic and like use your use your energy correctly at the right time and and just not override it and stuff like that like uh that was that's something that i still i'm sure have a lot of practice to do just because i so
0: like get a lot. energy expenditure when to light the last match like yeah. when to you the use match, your power but, up on swift I mean, you, like, exactly i messed that
1: up on monday like <laughs> the premier league race i totally panicked and used it like about 10 seconds early and it's just like well, i haven't been in front of a premier league race yet so i was like oh man i'm i'm here, I'm and, here. I hit it. and i was like oh damn i should not have
0: i love that yeah. i got two two last questions before i let I you mean, go um any race routine things that you find super beneficial whether it be something pre-race something the way you approach a race could be days before could be 10 minutes before
1: i so my favorite my one routine thing that i try my best to get every day is is my breakfast Mm -hmm. so not not even that i have the same thing for breakfast but Mm -hmm. i like to have my time i like to have a lot of coffee i like to define a lot like i have like a liter french press every morning so like i drink a fair amount of coffee yeah and i just like to have like that time to just like relax and kind of like go through that that motion every day and i try to keep that the same if it's every day i try to keep that the same on race day so even if i have to wake up at a stupid time to do a race i'll wake up earlier
0: yeah to make sure like the swift
1: worlds was like a stupid early time here in in america it was like or in the west coast it was like i think the race started at 6 a.m or something yeah Um, so i mean you had to be on it at five so that means i had like i woke up at like four four or three thirty or something just because i wanted to have a normal routine in the morning yeah um so that's something that i like to do i don't like to be rushed before I the race race or i like to have my time so that's that like was, my routine
0: yeah johnny Purvis of the same thing he's like get to a race early he's like it just it eliminates a lot of problems mm-hmm. th- as if you roll up All right. The last one, this is kind of very open-ended, but if you were like teaching a class to a bunch of cat four or fives, becoming a new cyclist, how to get better, what would maybe be some like standout pillars of something you wanted to get across to them, whether it be as general as like, don't worry about intervals, just ride your bike or how you approach things. Like it kind of relates back to like just your process as a cyclist. Like how do you think about, getting better in the sport and it's you're you know you kind of it's tough to ask you this because you've been so you've been through so many aspects of it but maybe if you thought back to like things that would have been beneficial to hear when you were 18 17 anything come to mind
1: yeah i think one thing is there's gonna be a there's a lot of people who want to give their advice that Mm. don't necessarily they should not necessarily be giving advice Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're just going to get constant information thrown at you from Mm -hmm. everyone who just wants to well intended, share their knowledge, but maybe you're just going to hear a million different ways of doing something. And I think that the one thing that is important is to keep, find who you want to put your faith in as far as listening to, you know, X amount of people, keep that circle pretty small because otherwise you just end up with information overload and you know decipher for yourself out of those small people what stuff that you feel you can do because it's not it may all work but what work is going to what can you do with that information if you can like i mean whether it comes to diet or training or your bikes or your bike setup like everyone like wants to look at your bike and be like oh you need to raise your seat and lower (laughs) your stand and this and that like that's one thing i always your position is weird like all right well my body is like physiologically adapted to pedaling this way so like you know sorry yeah Uh, people always want to just give advice and and you just can't listen to everybody and and i think if you do then you are just ended up going in like 18 different directions halfway Mm -hmm. and that's a good way to get really slow
0: that's this is that's a great closing point because i've always frank overton was just on he said you know find the thing that you literally find this commit to it and we were talking of like you know somebody's doing a polarized plan and they learn they got to do sweet spot and somebody's doing over unders and then their guy next door is doing this and it's just like go with one thing did it work did you get faster can you how do you pivot from there how does it apply to your race like how does it apply to you as the athlete that'll all work
1: i bet you know they'll all work to some extent. It's what's like, I think it's what's most sustainable. What do you enjoy doing the most? What kind of training do you like doing the most? Because if you're motivated to train, then you'll train and that's going to make you faster. You don't like, if you don't like riding around it, you know, zone one all day or zone two all day, then you shouldn't do that. You should do that polarized training, where it's really hard or really easy. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, like, I think that you have to learn what you can do that way. It's a sustainable thing for you because that's you, what gets
0: faster and you said it's it before i'm sure so that you can consistent. be consistent yes dude awesome hey man how do people uh get in touch with you you've got you've got a podcast don't you you've been i was looking through your instagram yeah yeah no i've been doing
1: uh how do people follow you i've been so bad about doing the podcast with tj eisenhart um because yeah i've been a little bit slammed with the baby but um we do do the podcast it's uh at the next stage two on instagram so cool when we he's had some pretty cool guests on recently that i missed he had like David miller and awesome. he had uh, rick Zobel, and then ron dennis so we've had like some really cool guests on there. cool um there's this cool sepkos uh podcast that was done early on with him so that's my podcast and then i'm on instagram at at tw cycling and twitter that's at tyler w cycling so yeah those are the uh, kind of the three ways to follow what i'm doing
0: awesome man well dude thank you so much for sharing your knowledge this is going to Sweet. be a ton of i keep saying i hate the term gems i think it like a ton of lessons or i really want to reframe when people are like i caught an l it's like dude you caught a lesson so maybe thanks for dropping these l's on people yeah, and uh sure. ho- hopefully we cross paths on the bike at some point and yeah. uh wish you the best of luck with zwift the in real life racing and everything you guys are doing with legion
1: absolutely well thanks for having me yeah. i enjoy dropping all my rants on everybody <laughs>
0: That's great. Good tangents, by the way. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, right. Tyler. I'll Jump. see you, man.